praise the Lord and good day to you and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in our studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad that you've decided to gather around God's Word with us and we're just excited about what He is giving us, that which He gave the Apostle Peter to give to you and me so that we could glean the great truths, the wondrous truths written in God's Word for us on this day. Hallelujah. You see, God's word will bring a right now faith if we're willing to believe his truth and walk in his truth and learn what we need to know uh, so that we can walk in the truth. And it won't just be vain imaginations and how I feel about things. And it'll be the word of God that brings faith when we hear it and we'll be found walking after the Spirit in the truth, led by the Spirit into more truth and becoming more like Christ each and every day, being made conformable unto his death. That's what this journey is in this strange land we live in. This is not our home. That's why one of the reasons the Lord gave Peter uh, these words to write when he addresses uh, the people he's writing to as strangers. And it's not just strangers scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. It's strangers here in Queen City, Texas, Atlanta, Texas, wherever you might be. As a child of God, you are a stranger in a very foreign land. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven and the new Jerusalem, and when it comes and lands on the new earth one day, you and I are already going to be in the new Jerusalem, and I'm looking forward to that. I hope it takes place today. How about you? I know that's right. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, part 3, on this 17th day of June, 2022. And again, I'm excited about what God's doing in these last few moments as he is just about ready to pull the curtain on what we've known as the church age here. I'm telling you, at any moment, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, at any moment, it's going to happen. I'm not looking for one month, one day. I'm looking for him on this day not only to come and take me away, but to appear again to me today that I might walk with him by faith. Hallelujah. So uh, this is a wonderful Bible study that we do every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. And uh, if you can, join us live. If you can't, you can find these sessions uh, on the website, which is thecrosswaychurch.com. Uh, the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Uh, there is an app that you can get on your smartphone. It's called Spreaker, and it's all audio, but we have on our channel, which is for those who have ears to hear, or you can just type my name in, Curtis Hutchinson, and we have over a thousand, that's right, over 1,000 messages, teachings, preachings that are the Word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm presently uh, in, in a continual state of writing commentary, and I have 9, 10, 11, something like that, books, uh, commentary, small type books that you can order on the website. Again, it's thecrosswaychurch.com. Click on the store icon. You'll see what we have to offer. I got uh, a latest one out of the printers yesterday, Proverbs chapters uh, 6 through 10. We've already put out 1 through 5, and I am presently editing, and it's almost ready for print, a 100-page commentary on Galatians, every verse in that book, all in the context of Jesus Christ and what makes the Bible about him, what he did on Calvary's cross. That's right. So uh, it's, uh, it's exciting times we're living in if you're not focused on the temporary things, but the eternal things, you'll find it most exciting 
and very precious to be walking with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a wondrous Savior he is, how faithful he is, so patient with us to teach us along the way and to never shoo us away or kick us out, but constantly beckon us to come on and continue to follow him and receive the benefits that he died for us to be able to have even now on this day. So it's my prayer today that the Lord would impart truth to our hearts and even in the midst of the truth being imparted that he would touch physical bodies and he would touch minds and he would touch those areas that are struggling and he would bring his healing hands and the provision that only he can bring to remove things that do not belong and to add to our lives the things that do. Hallelujah. So let's jump into this today and let's just go ahead and read verse one, but we're really going to get focused on really verse three and maybe some more today. But let's back up since we're not too far away from the beginning and, and walk our way through it again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And let me say something about those two verses that we have covered in the first two sessions, but where that colon is after the phrase, the blood of Jesus Christ, that colon there now uh, that we've seen uh, who those are who've been elect, uh, who according to the foreknowledge of God, all this is it now that we are born again, children of God, this letter has the intention that comes with it if faith comes from hearing what our Lord gave Peter to write to us, if we'll believe it in the heart, in its righteous context, that means clinging to Calvary's cross and seeing even what's written here through the lens of the death of Jesus, then the intention of our God, the purpose of our God is to multiply grace and peace. And know this, the Bible says that God gives more grace to the humble. When we were born again, it's when we humbled ourselves and said, okay, I don't believe everything I've always believed. I believe this gospel I'm hearing. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that Jesus did die for me, that uh, God the Father did give his own son up on a cross for me that I might be saved all because he simply loves me and wants me to be his and he wants to be mine, hallelujah. And I believe that. And that, that is where we put faith in, we trusted in, we depended upon the Son of God and what he did as the Lamb of God to take my sin away. And what we were really doing there was much more than we knew about. And uh, when, when it happened, I'm, I'm speaking of the born-again experience, but when we trusted in and depended upon what Jesus did for us at Calvary, it, it's important to learn what God saw there. He saw our trust and our dependence upon the one who humbled himself and became obedient unto death. So I'm, I'm, I'm reminding us of this always because there is no humility in the eyes of God that God accepts, that God honors with the giving of grace or more grace that's not faith in the death of Jesus. It must be his humility. All things are of him. That one scripture there has really... Uh, spoken volumes to me over the last several several months uh, that all things are from him, through him, for him, uh, to him. Uh, everything, listen, anything that I have that's from the Lord is because of Christ. 
because of my faith in his death. That's that, that's that no God doesn't offer us anything from any other avenue. And not just because Christ died for us, I had to believe in that to be saved. And daily to walk in that, I have to believe daily in that. Trust daily in what he did for me there on the cross. In that I have to depend on that. And if that's what I'm depending on, if that's what I'm trusting in, if that's what I still believe is God's answer for every dilemma, every situation of my life, then he is going to find me humble. It's the humility of Christ he sees. It's the obedience of his son he sees. Reflecting from him on to me through my dependence upon what he did in humility and obedience. That being, he died for me. So uh, we need to understand that God wants to multiply grace and peace. Well, he made my peace, the Bible says in Colossians 1 and 20, uh, by the blood of his cross. So if his peace is going to be multiplied. If what he did at Calvary and the fruit of that, that is grace, by the way, is going to be multiplied, then I must keep my faith in where I first received it all so that the flow like a river can flow into my life and through my life like a river every day of my life. It's not the cross I begin at and then move away from, although that is 90-something percent presently now of all Christians. And all Christians have had to or are yet to learn that they're going to have to stay in their first love. they got to stay there. The call is back to our first love. Because there's where God, listen, God don't call you back to your first love to get a touch and go back. No, he calls you back to your first love to keep you at your first love. And your first love is where you first realized that he loved you and you accepted that love through a dependence, a trust in, a believing in what his son did for you on Calvary's cross. When he gets you back to that place called your first love, he has no intention on you ever leaving again because only in that place do the rivers of life flow freely in and through our lives. God can't and won't just multiply his grace and peace unless he finds us in the place where the river flows from. We need to understand these things. And, and, and sometimes we don't understand what we need to understand because we're not hearing the word taught and preached in its right context. If you're a Christian and you're listening to me right now, and you've never heard what I'm about to tell you. It's one of the most important things you will ever, ever hear as a Christian. And it is this. God's grace is what God does. Mm. And you might say, well, really, brother, God's grace is what we do by his spirit. Well, you can say it however you want to, but, but, not, but that's really not... You can say it is what we do by the Spirit, but the Spirit is the Spirit of grace, and it has to be Him, or He won't honor it. He won't honor it because I think it's a good thing to do. He won't honor it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. He only honors what He does. But we need to know that. We need to know that God only honors what God does. And God's grace is what God does. And God does what he does. It's called grace, my friends. He does that when he finds true biblical faith, which is faith in the word of God, yes, but in the context of Jesus Christ and him crucified. You say, well, I'm not sure about all that. Well, let me help you along the way if that be possible today. All of God's words are in righteousness. If you, you need to write these things down 
and, and look at them later when this is over and, and ask the Lord to show you these. These, are, these scriptures I'm about to share with you are of utmost importance. Utmost importance. And you might say, well, why aren't all the people on TV preaching this? God finds those who have ears to hear and he will give them the truth that he, that he knows they desire to hear. Let's remember that. God's always got people, and little, especially with the message of the cross, it's never going to be the big limelight message here on the earth, but it is going to be in God's view, in God's opinion, and it is going to be found where God is showing those that fear him his covenant, Psalms 25, uh, 14. So let's think about this. All God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16, or really 17 through 18, that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. So all God's words are only revealed in the gospel. Now, now you've got to be rebellious not to turn away from what's being told you now. So, let me add one more to this list. I know you're writing them down. I know you're looking at them because the lack of this knowledge is what's held us captive to the sin nature, to the flesh, and, and to, to, to exalting men and following men instead of hearing the spirit of truth and being led into all truth. So listen very carefully. The only avenue through which faith can come is righteousness. Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 1. This like precious faith that we have obtained, Peter writes, it's, we've obtained it through the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if faith doesn't come by hearing God's word in its righteous context, my friend, it's not faith. It's not biblical faith. And that's why it doesn't move us in the things of the Spirit. does well, for, for years and years, we've, we've quoted the Word, declared the Word, but, we, but we've not seen grace multiplied and peace multiplied. What we've found is ourselves in more bondage. What we've found is ourselves still searching for the avenue through which God's going to move. And, and some pick this and some pick that. And, 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 and they believe it that through the deception of their, the deceitfulness of their flesh that will deceive them and keep them in a place called death uh, under the bondage of the sin nature. And that's what the New Testament teaches. But you and I can learn these great truths and learn the focus of God, which is the focus of Calvary, and, and, and the focus of his righteousness there, the avenue through which grace and peace can be multiplied. Listen very carefully. The age we're living in, and really it's the way it's always been, that there's always been fear, oppression, and torment uh, 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 and God's people under the attack of that. Divorces in the church, uh, uh, suicides among people uh, who, who are Christian. And, and, and listen, God says that when he's allowed to establish his people in righteousness, that oppression will be far from us. That fear won't have its way with us and that torment, torment, torment will not come near us. Now, if you're looking for scripture for that, it's Isaiah 54 and 14. You need to write these things down, my friend, instead of just listening to somebody else. These things need to be grafted into your soul. Thank God for those who aren't waiting on some favorite TV preacher, some favorite granddaddy, grandma, those who are those who have spirit-taught and spirit-led hearts, meaning they're looking unto Calvary. It's not just words. They're trusting in the death of Jesus, and today again, they will deny themselves, take up their cross, partake of that death by faith, and find themselves not making a place for themselves here, not loving their lives unto death, but once again, partaking of that death of Jesus by faith, not loving their lives unto the death, 
Not trying to make a place for them here, a name for themselves here, knowing they're only strangers passing through and in much need of God's multiplied grace and peace. Come on, somebody. If you're a Christian and you don't really think you have the need for God to multiply his grace and peace, you're in bad shape. Or even if you do know you need that to happen, you need God to do that. But if you don't know how he does that, you're still in big trouble because it's not magic. It's not just imaginary. It's not, listen, it's not even just asking. It's a place God finds our faith that he automatically pours, multiplies grace and peace into us. You need to understand that. You need to understand scriptural truths so that the Holy Spirit can guide you into all truth. Amen. So he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit under obedience and sprinkling the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And again, before we move on, let me say this. The intention that God has for giving you his word is to forgive you and to deliver you by his grace and to continually pour his grace into your heart to, to multiply what he does because grace is what God does. It's God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. My friends, that's grace if he finds faith. It doesn't just happen. And again, you'll always hear me refer to the billboard God has given us, one of the several on our journey. He intends on us, on our journey, to be students of his word so that we can see the billboards always as a reminder there that he does not just do things anyway. And we have one of those billboards uh, called the letter to the Galatian church where we realize when we're trusting in anything other, uh, anything other than Christ and his work on Calvary's cross, then we have fallen from grace. Doesn't say we've lost our soul there in Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 4, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, where we remove ourselves from him. You see, we've quoted all these years, uh, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he won't, but you and I can surely leave and forsake him. And that billboard is there for us, written in Galatians as a sign to always draw our attention back to that we can trust in something other than Calvary's cross and my friends we've all done it and if we don't guard our hearts with all tenacity we will do it again we will do it again we must fight the good fight of faith not fight to overcome sin fight to keep the faith hallelujah to exercise this faith so that we won't fall from grace because what's written on that billboard so to speak on our journey home we find in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 some of you sick of hearing it but that means you ain't really got it good enough yet when you get it good enough you're going to say oh tell me one more time preacher God's got ministers who are going to point to the billboards along the way that's him doing that for you but we're told there by the Lord himself in Galatians 5 1 through 4 that when we trust in anything other than the cross of Christ, we're no longer obeying the truth. Now that's Galatians 3, 1 through 3. But in Galatians 5, we see that we can fall from grace. We fall from the place where God's grace can be added to us, multiplied to us. And it goes farther to say that Christ can no longer profit us or affect us. If these things get old to you, that means you're already looking back to Egypt. Or you think you can do it on your own now. No, these billboards were put there for us so that we could run this race with all diligence, guarding our hearts. 
and warn those others along the way. That God doesn't pick you up and carry you when you refuse to run the race. That God doesn't pick you up and carry you when you refuse to walk in the truth. Oh, he does pick you up and help you along the way when you repent, confessing your sins unto him so that faith in his death on Calvary's cross can continually cleanse us from sin and unrighteousness from those sins that that sin that so easily oh he will pick you back up and nourish you but if you refuse to walk if you refuse to run he doesn't just throw you over his shoulder and carry you along that's the new age the apostate thinking of the church that he'll do it no matter what no he won't no he won't we have a bible this is one of the main reasons God tells us to be students of his word, to show ourselves approved unto him. He's already approved us by the blood, but he's told us to be students of his word so faith can come and we can bear forth the fruits of his righteousness. Amen. And we can bear forth the fruit of what he's done to approve us. And that was the giving of his son on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Watch now in verse 3. Peter just breaks out as he writes this in praise and worship. Well, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That talks about the born again experience. That's where we were begotten, born again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through the cross of Christ, the shedding of his own blood, we've been justified by the blood of Christ, Romans 5 and 9. It's a powerful chapter, that fifth chapter of Romans. We've been justified by the blood. We've been born again, bought with the price. Hallelujah. Our lives are not our own. But, we, but that born again experience is unto a resurrected life, a lively hope. We're alive with a great hope. We're alive now. We were dead, but now we live. And now we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We were blind, but now we see. Hallelujah. We were dead, but now we live. We were poor, but now we're rich in God's grace and mercy. Hallelujah. But we're born again, and it's unto a lively hope, a hope that is alive by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, from the dead. Life comes from the dead. Resurrection life came out of death. Hallelujah. You must have your faith in the death of Jesus to today to experience the life of Jesus. You, not just because I go to church, not just because I read a chapter every day. No, I must today be partaking by faith in the sacrifice of Christ or I'm not going to be able to present, present my body a living sacrifice. Come on now, get this. Faith, faith in something, whatever it is, is your participation in that something with an expectation from that object of faith. Your faith is as strong as the object of faith. Your faith, how do we say it? Your faith, our faith, is only as strong and fruitful as its object. So if my faith is in the government of 12, if I'll just get in that program, God's going to use this program uh, to, to, to show me how the power of God flows in and through my life. And this government of 12, this walk of a mess, if you'll just come be a part of our program, man, this new thing, oh, God's doing this new thing. My friend, when you hear that phrase, you need to always know you're listening to something that's a lie. I'm, I'm being nice this morning. I'm not being, it's a lie. Listen, the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. What was will be again. You need to hear me. The only thing that God looks at is new in his eyes is the new creation. 
And that only comes about and functions where there's faith in the death of Jesus. Life only comes out of death. We're looking for resurrection power, the experience of it, but, but we don't want to look back to Calvary. And the Bible says in the New Testament, in Hebrews 2 and 9, in Hebrews 12 and 2, both of those scriptures tell us what it means to be looking unto Jesus, or it says we see Jesus. They both talk about his death on the cross, his work of righteousness. <coughs> Do you understand that? That when we preach the cross and teach the word in this context, we're not talking about we're not always trying. We're not trying to get you to look at a bloody corpse hanging on a tree and the physical suffering that yes, he had to go through. We're trying to get you to see <clears throat> what God saw there. It's important that you see what God saw there. God saw His Son as the Lamb of God taking away the sin of all humanity. God saw His Son there, literally becoming the end. The end. Jesus is the beginning and the ending, hallelujah, of all things. At the cross, he, he didn't just end all things that will be utterly forgotten about. The prophets of old say that the former things will no longer be remembered or even come to mind. But And it's because of who Jesus became on Calvary's cross. He didn't just end everything. He became the ending of all things he once began. But in the same moment in death on Calvary's cross, he became the new and living way, the new and living beginning of all things that will be eternal. Listen, when you hear someone say you need to come be a part of this, this new thing God's doing, listen, this new thing God's doing is what he did 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. That work is what brings about newness to humanity. Not some function we go and do hoping that God would bless it and we would find deliverance from some sin. I'm, I don't get deliverance from alcohol by getting up for 20 years saying I'm an alcoholic, uh, but, I'm, but I'm recovered. No, 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 no. No, all things at Calvary passed away. All things at Calvary in Christ through faith in his death have become new. You won't see that, know that, taste of that, walk in that faith, live by that truth unless your faith is in the death of Jesus today. And I'm not talking about some mental, sound theological doctrine that you must know. I'm talking about from your heart believing under that righteousness again today. That Romans chapter 10 verse 10 is not just an introduction scripture for you, but because we've learned now that all of God's words are in righteousness and only revealed in the gospel and only come through righteousness that our hearts must continually believe unto righteousness which is the work of Christ on Calvary's cross. Every jot and tittle written in the Bible must be dipped in the blood or it cannot be applied by the spirit of truth and until you come to that conclusion really you'll just be a part of that which is hurting and hindering the people of God. And that's the way it's always been. There's always been a remnant. They've always been made to look like they don't really know what they're talking about. But it's always by those who are allowing their flesh to deceitfully deceive and lead them. And they live by feelings and emotions. And yes, they use scripture. Satan uses scripture. You need to understand that. But the way of the cross is God's reforming and transforming way. And any other thing, any other way is self-transformation. And that's a dangerous thing because the Bible says Satan's ministers transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, which should 
show us in a bright light that anything that transforms itself is not of God. For he is the one that saves, conforms, and transforms us, hallelujah, through the death of his son, every day partaking of that. Doesn't mean I declare the blood, plead the blood. I can, and it's okay to. It means from my heart, that is what I'm trusting in. That is what I'm clinging to when the bad news comes. That is what I'm trusting when I don't get what I thought I should have got. That is what I'm holding dear when I'm being uh, ridiculed and criticized and lamb blasted even by those who are truly born again Christians you've got to understand that we have got to stop being knocked off guard simply because we're not ready and the only thing that makes us ready is a denial of self and a taking up of our cross. Peter reaches this place and he just burst out in praise and worship. Blessed be the God of our Father Oh, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. We're born again unto a lively hope. Listen, the Bible says that our trust is in the Lord and our hope is in the Lord. But Jeremiah 17 and 7 reveals something that you ought to already know that the Lord is our hope. Hallelujah. Let me read that scripture to you this morning. Jeremiah 17, 7. Oh, I hope that you write it down and look at it, highlight it in your Bible. You know, when it comes to highlighting in your Bible, eventually everything in your Bible will be highlighted. Oh, handele Every word is so precious and more than silver and gold. And we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Jesus said, was written about him. And in him is where we find life. Hallelujah. Only in him do we find life today. Not because I fed the poor or I read my Bible or I went to church. But in Christ, literally in in him, the place I was immersed into when I trusted in his death, Romans 6, 3 says I was taken by the Spirit of God and literally baptized into the death of Jesus, immersed into his death so that he could end who I was. That's where he became my ending, hallelujah. And that's where he became my new and everlasting way. That's where it happened right there on Calvary's hill, my friend. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, hallelujah. And we can look at that scripture, Jeremiah, penned there under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as, as we see this, that we've been born again unto a hope that is alive by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. He's the one who is my hope of glory. I don't have a hope that has a question mark. I have a hope that has an exclamation mark. That's why God's ministers preach his righteousness and teach his righteousness, not with some question mark, not with, I hope I'm saying the right things. No, we say with clarity, our God is a righteous God. Our Lord is a righteous branch, hallelujah, that, that we are branched onto and we've been made righteous in him because we draw from the life that flows out of that true vine. So the Lord is our hope. Our hope is in him, but when our hope is in him, that means it's in his death. He is our hope. Because he's no longer dead, but he's been resurrected from the dead. What he did through his death made us alive again. The Bible says that he, 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 when he, he made us alive when he quickened us from the dead. It's his death that gave us life. You need to know that. It's his laid down life in death that gives us life. 
because we have to die before we can be born again to live again with him in the resurrected life that we have. And I always have to say this, and it means so much to me. It's so precious to be learning this, uh, that the resurrected life, the, the, the life of Christ we have now, the power of the resurrection will always be found gravitating back to its source of power. Mm. Its sort resurrection power has a source from where it comes. It's not just given and experienced because we've received it initially. Again, we have that billboard in Galatians and Revelation chapter 3 and Romans chapter 7. The resurrection life, the resurrection power is only experienced if it's holding on to what God says the power of God really is. And it's the cross, the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. Seeing, beginning to learn to see every word dipped into the blood of Jesus. Every single jot and tittle, every word. Listen, if we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then we must understand that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God must point us to the place where life comes from. It comes out of death. It comes only because of Calvary and because of one's today, right now. Faith becomes substance, reality, assurance, and confidence because it's in Christ, meaning in his death, and we were born again, but being born again was unto something, a hope that is alive, my friends, a hope that is alive. If hope is deferred, the Bible says it makes the heart sick, and hope is always deferred when faith is not in the death of Jesus. Oh, now this is good. This is good. You say, well, you're taking too long. No, I'm not taking long enough. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a hope that is alive because its source is the cross, not just because of the cross, but its source in experience today my faith is in the death of Jesus. I receive multiplied grace and peace to walk in this resurrection power to declare this redemptive message, to experience the plan of God for my life, those things he's working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That means that which pleases him and that proves it takes faith because he can't be pleased without it. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Let me say this. I feel this uh, this morning by the Spirit of God, something he just brought onto the table that hope deferred. Now this is in your Bible. Hope deferred. That means delayed. That means not there. That means a hope that's not active, a hope that's not alive. It, it's deferred. It means it's, it, it's, it, there's a hesitation there. It really means there's a question mark there. But see, when we come back to Calvary, our first love, the question marks go out the window and the exclamation mark comes on the scene again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten me again, allowed me, caused me through his mercies to be born again unto a hope that is alive. And let's not move away from this too fast. Let's just see, since this is a Bible study, and I know I can depend on you.
and uh, it, to throw that scripture in there, but but I don't see all that. And but I want to find it for us because I feel like the Lord is wanting us to say something. Uh, let's look and find this scripture. We're going to find it, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Let's look at that. Thank God we're we're gathered around the Bible, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Let's look at it with our eyeballs. Hope. Let's go back in Proverbs now, chapter 13, uh, verse 12. This is what a Bible study is all about, just being led by the Spirit of God to allow Him to guide us into more truth, which does what? It brings greater light, greater discernment, allows us to guard our hearts with a greater tenacity with greater discernment, really. So let's look at this, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred, and it's going to be deferred, my friend, if faith is not in the cross. Because faith is the substance of what we're hoping. Isn't that what Hebrews 11 once says? Now faith is the substance of what we're hoping for. The evidence of things not seen. So get this carefully today. Hope deferred, and, and let's just look at it so we can even see something deeper here. Uh, it means prolonged, delayed. It, it, that's what it means. Hope deferred means it's it's delayed. And listen, God's not delaying anything. Hope deferred takes place when our faith is not properly secured in the cross of Christ. And by the way, it's his death we're being made conformable to. Not resurrection life. We have that already. The Bible says we're being made in this life, in this journey we're on, we're being made conformable unto his death, Philippians 3.10. So if we keep our faith, the object of our faith, the very death of Jesus, where he ended everything I do not need and began everything I do need, hallelujah, then our hope won't be delayed. It won't be deferred, but it will be because of our faith, the very substance and reality, the confidence that we need. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But in the hope, listen, the church is sick today because of a delayed hope, a deferred hope, because it doesn't understand that the object of its faith today. We, we like to say, well, of course I'm born again, and of course I believe in the cross, but they're not walking in a place where they're being made conformable unto that death. They don't know that the object of their faith cannot be all these other things. It has to be the death of Jesus. And there we find the power source, resurrection, life, and experience to point back to where it comes from to continually receive from what God says is the power, the preaching of the cross, the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope is like a tree of life. Do you get that? When it's not delayed, when it's not deferred. And it won't be delayed, it won't be deferred when your faith is in that which caused you to be born again and gave you through that faith in that alone the lively hope God intends on you walking and living with. Hallelujah. But, but watch the next verse in Proverbs 13. 13 says, Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. All we can do is experience corruption and destruction the longer our hope stays deferred. And the reason our hope will be delayed and deferred, making our heart sick, is because we're despising the word in its true context, or we're ignorant of it. Now, Jesus taught something very profound, that there are only two avenues to serve, and everybody on the planet is serving one of the two. 
Romans 6, 16 says it's we're serving. Now, this is a choice Christians get to make. That Christians, yes, Christians still have to yield to that way they were brought into when they yielded to that way being that form of doctrine that freed them from sin and declared them righteous and made them servants of righteousness. Romans chapter 6 teaches us this. We have to yield to that and that's serving obedience unto righteousness. The other way is where hope is deferred, delayed, when our faith, the object of our faith, is in something other than the cross. You see, anything other than the cross is what we're doing. The cross is what he did. Grace is what Jesus did. Law is what we do. And we are called to walk in the works that are ordained for us to walk in, but they're all in Christ by grace through faith. Everything else, all these programs and conferences and these men we exalt, like they're going to do something, something. All that stuff that's fill the church today, fill the church today, is us doing something, us trusting, and if I'll do this, if I'll do that. Yes, we're called to do things, but we don't do things to get things. We do things to be obedient because Christ has already done all things, provided all things, become all things to us and for us. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. So watch this. Christ taught this profound thing that you can't serve God and mammon, and mammon's not just money. It's anything of it than having faith in the sacrifice of Christ. You can't serve God and the world. And Romans 6, 16 teaches that. And Galatians 6, 12 through 14 teaches that we're either glorying in the flesh or glorying in the cross. One of the two. Flesh is what we do. The cross is what he did. We glory in the cross. We trust in nothing but the cross. Christ is glorified. We trust in anything other. Flesh is trying to glory. Amen. And we're looking, and we're looking, even though it's in ignorance and we don't really realize what's going on, till we are able, or till God is able to show us how wrong we've been and bring us back to our first love and tell us what that really means. Because all everything other than the cross is us glorying in our flesh, and we're looking for people also who are glorying in the flesh and calling it a move of God, calling it the, the way of God, the things of God. The cross is the only way of God that exists. And every day we have to have our faith there. Now, so watch this. Jesus taught this profound thing that you can't serve both. You have to make a choice. And that's, that's throughout the Bible. Choose you this day who you will serve. So, and each day we make that choice. Even if we're living in ignorance, we make the choice. And, and he taught this profound and very alarming thing that whichever one we're clinging to will despise the other. Those who are, those who are clinging to all these fads and things that men have crept into the church with distractions in the attempt to cause our flesh to lust after and go after oh it may, the devil paints it up and makes it look like it's a move of God but it ain't nothing but the move of the flesh so we can all glory in the flesh together what we're doing what we've done oh we say what God's doing among us but God is looking for those that will follow him through faith in the sacrifice so Jesus taught you're clinging to one and despising the other or you're loving one while hating the other so if you go the way of the cross, it's no wonder that you're having a bold warning that's out there for all those who are not. And if you and, and, and while you go the way of the cross and you're learning to, to receive daily a love for the truth and for the, allow the Lord to confirm by his word that is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, the way of the cross, the way of righteousness, then you're going to despise every other way because you see they're a lie. But those who are going and all wrapped up in all these fleshly ways, calling it God, calling them a move of God, they despise the way of the cross. And that's why we can honestly say you and I are either becoming more determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified or we're becoming less determined 
to be sold out. It's noticeable. It's there. They, these people can, and we, I say this in love, I've been there. I said, I've been there. And if we're not careful, we'll get deceitfully snatched back into that place. But they can exegetically and hermeneutically and struggle and squirm all they want. It's not going to work. And it's seen by those. And this is not an ugly statement. And I know they say, well, you need to be patient. Who, who's not being patient? This opportunity, this teaching is being patient and offering somebody to have a wake-up call. I'm not asking you to follow me. See, there's where the rub comes in. I ain't following them. Nobody's asking you to follow them. We're asking you to find out what it really means to follow Christ which is to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. That's, that's what following Christ is. And, and when we realize that when the light comes on, then we're going to start loving that way, loving righteousness and hating evil. The promise is that those who love righteousness, he will pour the oil of gladness upon them. And those that love and seek before all things, his way of righteousness, he will add all things to our lives. So let's finish this verse in verse in chapter 13 of Proverbs, verse 13. Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that fears the commandment shall be rewarded. Well, the rewards come through Jesus mediating the benefits of the new covenant, so fearing the commandment is those who place the proper value on God through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. We know it's true because of what Psalms 25, 14 tells us. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he shows them his covenant. Those that fear the Lord, whether you can explain that theologically or not, it's a truth. And it's real, whether you can explain it or experience it, it'll, it's real. Whether you can sit down and theologically explain the fear of the Lord, which we need to be able to, and I love teaching on that. You have to be able to fear, you have to fear the Lord. That means to have a proper value placed on Him that can't be done outside of faith in the cross of Christ. And those that fear him, he shows them his covenant. How in the world do you think he increases, he multiplies his grace and peace? Because it only comes from seeing and tasting of one thing only. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, what do we see? We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Oh, hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. God's waking his people up. I have no doubt about it. Though many will refuse to come back to a biblical and scriptural first love, many, many will, many are coming back to their first love, that place of proper hearing, proper receiving, and proper declaration, hallelujah, and proper warning. That's why Paul could say we preach warning, every man teaching, it all flows together, hallelujah. This has been a wonderful broadcast today. I hope you've been half as blessed as I have and you'll be shouting the same thing Peter was shouting. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, born again unto a lively hope, a hope that's alive, not deferred, but alive by the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead because he lives my hope is alive in me hallelujah and my faith now faith is the substance of what I'm hoping for what my hope is in my faith 
is the reality and the confidence and the assurance of that within my heart. I love you, and I'm so thankful for those of you that gather around God's Word with us on Friday mornings, and those of you who find these teaching sessions online, on the website, the YouTube channel, or the Spreaker app, or my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. We're just so thankful for all of you that pray for us, and I pray that God would pour His richest blessings upon you. And if the Lord stirs your heart to be a financial blessing, to give to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Don't forget about the commentaries that are available as well as preaching uh, CDs. On the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, click on the store icon. You'll find some great things there for your benefit, your edification, your growth. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.